0: the boss of me now and you're not so big. Welcome to Life is Unfair, the Malcolm in the Middle podcast where we watch and talk about every episode of Malcolm in the Middle in chronological order. Today we are talking about Lois Battles Jamie, which originally aired January 23rd, 2005, was directed by Stephen Welch and written by Michael Globerman. Hi, I'm Jake and this
1: podcast is being featured on giantjackass.com. And I'm David, and a lifetime ban from the podcast? A lifetime ban? Never been more appropriate. (laughs) Right? (laughs) God. (laughs) Uh, I know someone that might be getting a lifetime ban. (laughs) (laughs) And he doesn't even know. He sure doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. But, uh,
0: yes. Take two on recording this episode.
1: Yeah, because technology is awesome and updates are dumb and shouldn't be on Thursday night. But before we
0: get into this week's episode, we have our community segment, which, as always, starts with a big thank you to everyone who supports us over on Patreon, which is where you can support us directly uh, and gain access to our bonus content, like our secret podcast, Uncaged. And we have some poll results. Uh, looking back on a couple of episodes, you know, because we didn't do a community segment uh, on the Christmas episode. Uh, so, first up, we are looking back on Hal's Christmas gift for our Shittiest and Least Shitty Kid Award, uh, where we both chose Dewey as Least Shitty Kid uh, for just sort of not really doing anything wrong over the course of the episode. And uh, the internet agreed with us, with Dewey getting 57% of the vote, with Reese and Malcolm splitting the remainder.
1: At least they agreed with us, because we were right.
0: Perfect Angel Dewey. That's right. Then, for uh, Shittiest Kid for that episode, you chose Malcolm for uh, getting a random stranger assaulted. Yeah, the (laughs) correct choice. Uh, while I chose Reese, uh, for destroying a Picasso in the cold open.
1: Oh, uh, that argument is some... Yes, David? No, keep going. It's fine. We'll get to no. it, I'm sure.
0: Uh, yes, this ended up being a, uh, pretty contentious, uh, uh, amongst the, uh, audience as well. Uh, I ended up winning, uh, with 57% of people voting for Reese, with the other 42% going for Malcolm. But there was some uh, disagreement in the replies for that poll. As, uh, on Twitter, uh, said, Picasso paintings sell for six figures at the very least and easily can be worth tens of millions. That's life-changing money. Reese's shittiest for life for
1: that. Again, disagree, because money isn't everything. Yes, selling the Picasso could have helped the family out, blah, 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 blah. They didn't even know it was there. Again, Reese did not know what he was doing. Malcolm knew. Intent matters. And we're talking about someone's physical well-being. We're talking about quality, quantity, and ability for life, which massively outweighs money. I, You cannot put value on money that much over the value of someone's safety and well-being. Because then you just start, I mean... Then you go into all sorts of crazy, stupid, weird arguments and you can justify all kinds of things. Lots of things are worth money but could harm people. People's safety and well-being should be at the forefront and, and should be more valuable to us than precious relics. I'm not saying that Picassos or Rembrandts or et cetera, et cetera, all these, you know, are... I'm not saying they don't have value, but if we place them at value higher than human life and safety and health, then we have a problem.
0: But, like, the, the thing is, like, Malcolm didn't cause the assault to happen. He just directed it towards a stranger instead of his family.
1: Yeah, and also kind of caused it to happen. I mean, it's still
0: shitty, but he didn't directly cause this, like, violence to occur. Though The violence was already going to occur. Yeah, because the bikes got... Uh... Yes, yes. I I don't disagree with you in principle, but in the uh, particular circumstances, I do think there's, you know, further
1: context. Is there? Yes. Is there? Like, look, I'm still a shitty person if instead of you stabbing me, I convince you to stab my neighbor. Agreed. It's way shittier than destroying a painting to me.
0: I don't know. I I think it also like, I guess depends on like, what level of like violence you, you think may have occurred there which uh, is not very clear in the episode
1: it's not but i still don't no i don't know willingly deflecting cuz not only is he willingly deflecting accountability but he's willfully inflicting harm on someone else True. We, we decide that people need to go to prison for those kind of actions in our society like i mean that's it's it's a problem all I'm saying.
0: I'm not disputing that Malcolm very shitty in that episode. That's a hundred percent true. <laughs> I'm just disputing potentially the level of shitty as I compared just, to Reese.
1: <laughs> I just can't possibly understand how we compare literally getting someone assaulted to property damage. Especially property that no one knew about.
0: I, I mean, yeah, but I, I I'm not thinking like For me, the monetary stuff is, like, entirely secondary. Like, it it, it is about, like, him destroying this, like, unique, like, thing. Like, this relic. I guess. Which has, like, cultural and and historic
1: significance. Yeah. Eh. (laughs) I mean, maybe.
0: That that seems to be the implication.
1: (laughs) In in theory, sure. I, I just, I, still, it's a very real person. Who got very real assaulted by a lot of dudes. Uh, By two dudes. No, it's like four of them. No, it's two. No, it's like... No, it's more than two. I'll go rewatch the episode, but I
0: am 100% confident it's two dudes.
1: I am 100% confident that it's four or more. Okay, I'll go back and I will rewatch and I will report that you're wrong. Listen, I am willing to accept it if I am, but I legitimately... Like, have a deep-rooted, like, vision of this being four dudes.
0: Okay. Well, I guess we'll see.
1: Yeah. I might have to watch the episode back as well, just for posterities. Fair. Jake doesn't come in here trying to pull some shenanigans. Wow.
0: Wow. You think I would do that, David? Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do.
0: (laughs) You think I would gaslight my friend for fun?
1: Yes. You literally (laughs) just did. (laughs) (laughs) You, we just fucked with and texted Eric some shit To fuck with him While we were recording this episode That wasn't gaslighting It wasn't yet
0: We were getting no. there no. Gaslighting is what I do to our friend Jesse By telling him <laughs> that I'm Canadian
1: That's fair, that's fair, yeah So, I hate you But, um
0: uh... Getting back to that uh, conversation, uh, uh, Joe Balls also replied. Oh, I missed that one. Uh, as he said, uh, like he, he replied to uh, gonchione's reply, uh, and uh, they said, To be honest, I think Reese unknowingly did the family a favor. I feel like with that amount of money, it would tear the family apart within a few months. that uh, That's not to mention uh, if the case would be where the kids sold the painting before the parents found out and blew the money.
1: <laughs> Bro, right? Right? I, yeah, you know what? That, I like fair. that. <laughs> not, again, I, I don't agree with the destroying of the Picasso, and I don't disagree that the money could help the family. I just, my ethics my my ethos it, causing direct harm to someone and not taking accountability for your actions are way worse than destroying something like that
0: yeah fair that's enough.
1: just uh, my personal opinion
0: yeah again i think like part of it does just come down to like what you envision happened to that guy because like in my mind they, they like probably like shoved him around a little like maybe like a black eye kind of scenario but like you It it wouldn't be out of the question to envision something much worse.
1: Yeah. Like, any,
0: any like, lasting harm occurred to that guy, then I actually agree with you. That's just not, like, what happened in my head canon.
1: It's two to six guys, somewhere in there. (laughs) (laughs) Bikers (laughs) assaulting some Joe Blow who kind of looks like Hal.
0: Yeah, but, but, (laughs) one, the, the types of bikes that they are... And the way uh-huh. the guys look, they don't come off as, like, in-a-biker gang bikers. They, they come off as, like, guys who happen to own motorcycles.
1: I mean, yeah, but when you have more than two guys beating on somebody... Well, I are never there more s- than two? I That's don't know. Convention. I really <laughs> think there are. <laughs> I could swear that there's, like, four of them that you see.
0: Maybe and I just, like, only focused on the two that talked... Well, you have
1: the two that talk, and then they're, like, center stage, and then there's, like, two more behind them, if my memory is correct.
0: I, I don't think so, but, I, again, I will go back and rewatch.
1: I appreciate that, because now I want to know if I'm right. Fair. <laughs> you you said it with such conviction, and it's just a mental image for me. It's not, like, something that I'm like, no, I know this. Right. But I'm like, fuck, do I know this? <laughs> <laughs> is Jake gaslighting me? That's the (laughs) age-old question, David.
0: (laughs) But uh, we also have our poll results for Hal sleepwalks, uh, which uh, we were very agreeable on because Eric was saving his nonsense for WTFF.
1: Uh, Nonsense is correct. (laughs)
0: But uh, we
1: all agreed that
0: Reese uh, was shittiest for taking advantage of Hal and, you know, making him do all that awful stuff. (laughs) <laughs> uh, the audience agreed with us, with 60% of the vote going to Reese, with the other 40% going to Francis, who did not appear in the episode, and right. yet was accused of heinous crimes.
1: Uh Eric, 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 Eric. This can't continue. <laughs> 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 then, uh, for Least Shitty Kid, we
0: all chose Dewey for helping Hanson and Zoe. Uh, And the audience agreed with us on that as well, with Dewey winning with 50% of the vote, with Reese and Malcolm uh, both getting the other 25%. Okay. But getting into this week's episode, we have a Hal... Yep. (laughs) A Hal-centric cold open, as Hal is talking on the phone to his boss... And he's saying, do you remember a few weeks ago when some idiot left uh, the tinfoil on their burrito and they put it in the microwave and caused all of the sprinklers in the office to go off, destroying all of the company's servers? Well, wouldn't you like to know what slack idiot was responsible for that? And he's like very clearly about to like, confess to doing this thing and, like, tell his boss off when Malcolm runs into the kitchen, uh, with a lottery ticket in hand, saying, Dad, you need four apples to win. Uh, you only have three. You just won a free lottery ticket. (laughs) And Hal immediately, like, shifts gears and says, It was Phil from accounting. (laughs) But I think you should take it easy on him, as he's been uh, having some trouble at home lately. His wife uh, is a drinker, and uh,
1: she's not particularly faithful. (laughs) Jesus, Hal. Setting that poor man up. Poor Phil from accounting. That's right. I mean, he's from accounting, so he kind of deserves it. But also, yeah, poor Phil, like... And uh, getting into the episode proper, we will be starting with the
0: titular plot line, as it's the closest thing we have to an F plot, and
1: something tells me that you have named this the M plot for memories. You know, I did. That was the name. However, I thought, in fairness to the audience and to you, I should change the name Now that we're on take two. Yeah? It's now the DA plotline.
0: What does DA stand for?
1: For deep analysis, Jake. Uh, You're a real (laughs)
0: piece of shit, David.
1: (laughs) I know. (laughs) Uh no, it's it's the M plot. That that's the name. I just had to mess with you because because you already knew.
0: Yeah, I, I was fully expecting you to go with what I said last
1: time. Uh that would have been hilarious, but uh and that was originally the plan, Jake, but I couldn't remember what you had said. Like I kinda remembered it, but I wasn't Gotcha. Uh, yeah, so I was like, shit, I can't use his now. That uh, was fb for flashback by the way that's right that's right
0: <laughs> but uh it starts with jamie refusing to eat his peas which lois is getting very worked up about it she's very clearly like super frustrated with him as she's telling him uh that you know that this is name brand food and talking about how expensive it is and when he's still refusing to eat it She decides to plug his nose and tell him, uh, that if he wants to breathe, he's gonna have to open his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, when he does, she puts the spoon in his mouth and makes him eat the peas. And as she's, like, telling him, see, that's not so bad, is it? Jamie spits them up into her face. (laughs) Then, Hal comes home from work, and, you know, seeing that Lois is trying to get him to eat these peas, he says, uh... Didn't you guys have the same fight at breakfast? And Lois, uh, says, Yes, this is the exact same fight. She's been trying to get him to eat these peas all day. It's the same jar of
1: peas and the same stubborn kid. Yep, it's uh, Hal's really getting that sense of deja vu that's uh, coming over me right now. And
0: then, uh, like, as they are talking about this, and Lois is telling Hal that she's not going to lose to Jamie, they, like, turn and look at the high chair, and Jamie has disappeared. Which will be a recurring thing throughout this episode.
1: <laughs>
0: He's a little Houdini. Then... The next time we come to Lois and Hal, they're, like, getting ready for bed, as Lois is, like, in her pajamas, and Hal is in his tidy whities And Lois shows Hal her work shirt, which is, like, caked in bread. And she explains that Jamie put an entire loaf of bread in the washer, ruining all of her work clothes. And she says that Jamie is the worst kid that they've had. Uh, Which Hal insists that she says that about all of them. (laughs) And Lois says, uh, no, there's something different about Jamie, she can see it in his eyes. And to try to, like, talk Lois out of this, uh, he tells her to go look at Jamie while he's sleeping, because, you know, he's so cute when he's sleeping, could never stay mad at him, looking at him, looking all adorable and innocent. And they walk over to his crib, but Jamie is gone. And they start searching for him uh, like running into the boys' room and telling them that they're on lockdown until further notice (laughs) and closing their door. And Hal runs into the living room and moves the couch over to like block it off and secure the perimeter. Then uh, Lois finds Jamie in the den hiding behind the curtains. And when she pulls the curtains back, Jamie is chewing on her jewelry box. And she, like, starts to yell at him, saying, uh, I've told you to leave that alone. And then she, like, calms herself down and leans down in front of him and tells Jamie to give her the jewelry box. Which he refuses to do, and when she repeats herself, saying, uh, Mommy told you give me the box, Jamie throws it and hits her directly in the eye.
1: That's, that's a kid giving you the box, alright.
0: Then, we see Lois, uh, returning from an outing with Jamie, and she is, like, loudly talking to herself, and that's where David's opening line comes from, and she's, like, yelling at Jamie, saying, no pinching, no poking, no biting, no eye gouging, and no intentionally vomiting on other babies, and she's, yelling about a lifetime ban from Jamboree! A lifetime ban! <laughs> then, uh, we see another fight between Lois and Jamie, as Jamie is playing with Lois's person, refusing to let go of it, like, loudly screaming at her, as she's trying to get it away from him, saying, uh, you have all your toys in your playpen, why are you trying to keep the one thing in this house that's mine? And Hal, seeing this, tells Lois that she's being unreasonable, that, uh, you know, she's taking this too personally, and Jamie doesn't understand what he's doing, he's just a baby. And he tells her that she should, uh, give him the purse for a few minutes, and he'll get tired of it and give it back. Huh, huh. Which Lois does, she gives him the purse and says, you can play with Mommy's purse for five minutes, and it cuts to them taking the purse back, which Hal is, like, looking into the purse, looking disgusted, as he says, uh, I thought you said he wasn't eating anything. Ah, babies. Then, uh, we see Lois once again trying to get Jamie to eat, and she has put him in his high chair, and she ties him to it with a blanket this time. Then she, uh, turns around, like, goes over to the fridge, and when she opens it, the, like, fridge door... Uh, like, covers Jamie, like, hiding him from the camera. And then she, like, reaches in and grabs the jar of baby food and closes it. And when she does, Jamie is gone again. Then she starts, uh, searching around, trying to lure Jamie out by tying one of those giant lollipops to some string and, like, dragging it on the ground while saying things that she thinks will entice him. That's
1: right, he doesn't have to eat his veggies anymore, and she surrenders. Yes, and she has a tiny pony for him that just wants to give him hugs and let him eat
0: candy corn.
1: Yeah, that seems real. (laughs) And...
0: As she's attempting this method in her bedroom, she, like, hears from behind her the sound of itsy-bitsy spider playing, and the, like, camera angles and, like, cinematography, like, turn horror movie mode as it's, like, an extreme close-up of Lois's face, and then, like, a tracking shot behind her as she, like, walks down the hallway. Then it cuts to a, uh, like, BOV shot under the kitchen table where Jamie is hiding, like, complete with his heavy breathing. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: it's pretty great, honestly. Like, I, I love it. Lois, like, turns off
0: the toy that was playing the, the, the music, and, like, turns around, looking around for Jamie, and she sees movement in the kitchen, and, like, sprints in, and, like, uses a laundry basket to capture what she thinks is Jamie. But when she says, ha, I got you, and, like, pulls it back, she finds that it's not Jamie... Uh, it's a baby doll. And the cabinet in the kitchen, like, falls down, almost crushing her to death. <laughs> then it cuts to Malcolm and Dewey cleaning up the mess from this, uh, attempted murder. <laughs> and Dewey is complaining, saying it's not fair that, uh, Jamie tries to kill Mom and we have to clean up the mess. But Malcolm just says that they... Have to give Jamie kudos, because he came the closest to actually doing it any of them ever have. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Then we cut over to Hal and Lois, as Lois is taking a bubble bath while Hal is rubbing her feet and, like, trying to soothe her. And Lois tells Hal... That, uh, you know, she's been worn down by the other boys. She always thought that it was making her stronger, but they were actually termites eating away at her. Uh, like, uh, termites eating away at a house until all that's left is the paint. I'm just paint now, and Jamie can sense it. (laughs) (laughs) And she tells Hal that she's giving up. That Hal's going to have to be in charge of the boys from now on. And when she says that, Hal immediately goes into panic mode. <laughs> Rightfully so. <laughs> As he, like, stops rubbing her feet and, like, backs away from her saying,
1: no, 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 you can't leave me alone with them. We had a deal. <sighs> Which, I mean, these with these kids, that's, hmm, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently the breakdown of their parental duties
0: are that Lois is in charge of the spiritual and emotional development of the children disciplined and scary injuries and hal is in charge of killing spiders marking their heights on, on the uh door frame and car snacks <laughs> uh, with lois still saying you know she just can't do it anymore hal starts talking her up saying that she's the best there's ever been Uh, That she's been crushing the boys into submission all these years, not because
1: she has to, but for love of the game. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very, like, sports-esque pep talk, which I love. 100%. And Hal says
0: that she just has to remember what gave her that spark in the first place, and he's going to help. (laughs) And... It cuts to Francis walking into the house with his bags, asking, Uh, so what did you need from me?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Francis,
0: if only you knew. (laughs) And they, like, sit Francis down and uh, tell him that they want him to try to remember back to his earliest memories. Uh, which, when Francis asks, why do you want me to do that, <laughs> I'll just snaps at him saying, don't ask questions, just do what we're saying. <laughs> and uh, Francis says that he doesn't want to do that because his childhood was a nightmare and he spent his whole life trying to board up that haunted house. <laughs> but they, like, press him with, with Lois saying that he's the only one that can help. They They're not sure what they're looking for, but he's the only one that could remember it. And Francis, like, reluctantly agrees to help and says that he remembers, uh, an apartment that they lived in that was really colorful. And, uh, that cuts into a flashback of the apartment that we've seen that was, like, completely white before Francis got a hold of it.
1: <laughs>
0: and, it's so, like, completely covered in, like, crayon and, like, food and just... General. Toddler. Destruction.
1: <laughs> it 100% looks like if you took one of those, like, model homes, and then tried to turn it into, like, a kid's works.
0: Kind of, yeah. And we see Lois having the exact same fight that she's been having with Jamie, trying to get him to eat, and baby Francis is refusing. Then, uh, Hal comes in, and, uh, of course, Hal and Lois are in their full-on 80s parent costumes. <laughs> which is fantastic and Hal is upset because baby Francis destroyed his director's cut of the eyes of of, uh, Laura Mars and he holds up his ruined laser disc and he uh, also says that Francis uh, got a hold of his new Noroco and uh, cut a hole in the carpet with it and Lois like apologizes And she's, like, talking very softly, and and she says that, uh, you know, she asked Francis nicely, but he, uh, just wouldn't stop. And she says that she's been reading all of the parenting books, but nothing is working. Hal says that what Francis needs is a little discipline, and, uh, Lois, like, uh, says that he might behave better if he would eat something. He's withering away. And she starts to cave in and give him another, uh, Hershey's chocolate bar. And Hal, like, tells her not to, saying, you know, that's why he's always misbehaving, because she always gives in and she always makes Hal be the bad cop. Then uh, Hal leaves and and Lois, uh, once he's gone, like, immediately gives in and gives Francis the Hershey's bar. then it, uh, cuts back to present day and Francis says, uh, You know, it's weird. Thinking back, I have this weird feeling of you actually being a good mother. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Then when we cut back to them again, it is like uh, several hours later, and Francis says that he wants to stop. And as the uh, camera like zooms out, there's a pile of Hershey's chocolate bars on the table in front of him. And... They, like, force him to keep going, saying that, you know, that they feel like they're getting close to what they're looking for. And Francis says that he remembers playing the Frisbee game a lot. And it cuts uh, back to the flashback. And the Frisbee game is Francis throwing a plate at Lois.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That that sounds right. (laughs) That doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, And it is still,
0: like, Lois trying to get Francis to eat. And uh, then it's, like, prompted him to throw this plate at her. And Hal walks in and is complaining uh this time because Baby Francis got a hold of his tennis racket and used it to smash his camera and all of the lenses. And he still had the film from us festival in it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh much like with uh Jamie, uh, like as Francis and Hal are talking when they, like, turn, or, uh, as Lois and Hal are talking, they, like, turn, and Francis has disappeared out of his high chair. And Hal, like, starts looking around for him, as he, you know, saying he's going to discipline him, but Lois, like, gets in the way, saying, uh, that, you know, that they can't yell at him, that he's too fragile for that right now. And Hal tells Lois that, you know, she has to buckle down and find a way to mother this child. And he like storms out of the house and Lois uh calls presumably a child psychologist and she's uh like on the phone trying to get him to write a note that she can give to Hal explaining that you know they can't yell at Francis uh because it'll uh be too harmful to his psyche at his age and as she's on the phone having this conversation Francis Uh, Like gets a cup out of a cabinet and then like undoes the child's safety lock to get under the sink to pull out lighter fluid. And fills the cup with lighter fluid and then starts dousing his teddy bear in it. (laughs) (laughs) And starts trying to light a match. (laughs) And Lois like turns around and sees him doing this and she uh, like hangs up on the doctor saying she has to take care of something. And she walks over to Francis and takes the teddy bear and the matches away from him. And starts telling him that fire is dangerous. Fire could kill you. And as she's saying this, she like walks over to the fireplace and lights Francis' teddy bear on fire while holding it in her other hand. And never breaking eye contact with baby Francis. As she gives a speech about how she will do anything to protect him, even if it means he grows up to hate her. <laughs> then she pulls out uh, all that's left of the teddy bear, wh- which is the, like, button eyes, and throws them down in front of Francis. <laughs> and baby Francis, like, climbs up into his high chair and, like, puts the, uh, <laughs> uh, like, tray on himself and sits there. Then it cuts back to present day, where Lois is like, uh, reinvigorated, saying, you know, the, the, this brings back that feeling of finding her purpose in life. <laughs> then it pans over to Francis, who is laying like in the fetal position on the couch with his face like covered in chocolate, crying about Mr. Fuzzles.
1: <laughs> Poor Mr. Fuzzles.
0: Then, uh, the last scene for this plotline, Uh, We see Lois in the kitchen with Jamie, and Jamie is now eating his peas. And Lois has her other hand uh, bandaged. (laughs) She is clearly, like... Very literally recreated the Francis situation, <laughs> and Hal comes in and tells her the good news that he just got off the phone with the doctor, and his butt skin uh, is a perfect match. They can start the graft next week. <laughs> <laughs> then Reese uh, walks in, uh, also very heavily bandaged for reasons we'll get to in the other plot line, <laughs> and uh, he pulls a uh, can of Kapow energy drink out of the fridge, and starts to fill, uh, Jamie's sippy cup with it. And Lois asks him what he's doing, and Reese says, Oh, he loves this stuff. He goes to two or three cans a day. I don't understand it. I go crazy after half a can.
1: <laughs> and that was the day Reese died.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that wraps up that plot line, leaving only the sort of side plot centered on the boys. Um Yeah
1: <laughs> I mean, no, guess I don't like
0: that giggle, David. <laughs> is that is this gonna be another one like the 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 uh, Christmas one where you named it after a potentially misremembered line from a Christmas movie you watched as a kid? No, it's
1: not that obscure. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) This one, okay. Audience members may not get it but I feel like you are uniquely suited to be able to guess it.
0: Interesting. I don't know that that helps me, though, because that immediately calls to mind multiple things from our childhood. <laughs> Dude.
1: <laughs> I'll be nice and I'll say it's not from our childhood.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, Well, I was leaning towards you calling this the jackass plot line.
1: That was, uh, almost the first name for this, yeah.
0: Okay, well, well, what did you end up going with? It is the K-plot.
1: And no, not for Knoxville. That was the second plotline name. (laughs) This is the K-plot for Kierkegaard. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay, I'm not mad at that. That's funny. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm glad you appreciated that, Jake.
0: (laughs) I can tell someone's been re-watching The Good Place.
1: <laughs> uh, you know what's funny, Jake? I haven't even gotten to an episode where they mention Kierkegaard. Yeah,
0: but I feel like watching The Good Place just uh, puts you in the proper mind space for more
1: philosophy jokes. You're not wrong. <laughs> so
0: that's like the fourth or fifth philosophy joke you've made this week.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. This, this is definitely part of it. That and, and I got irritated that our friend mentioned a philosopher that i had never heard of so i've been like google searching and researching without actually reading their work because they seem like a boring fucking philosopher but god i've I mean, been, just, been just, doing uh, a lot <laughs> here's a name and and what school of
0: philosophy they're associated with
1: basically yeah <laughs>
0: gotcha but uh this plot line starts with the boys all walking home from school and uh, reese is complaining about how hungry he is and ...saying he hopes Lois makes, uh, something tolerable for once. And Malcolm's, uh, tells him not to get his hopes up. I saw her pulling out bologna stew this morning. Ugh. And Dewey tells them not to worry about it. He put a bloody bandaid in it. Gross. Yes. And also, given that we've seen Lois, like, drop the full meal on the disgusting, dirty floor and, like, scrape it back in, I'm not sure is going to stop her. (laughs) But, uh, they are distracted as they stumble across a random diving board. Like, a a full-on high dive, uh, like, next to some trash cans. And they're, like, immediately drawn to it. And Reese says, we need this. And when Malcolm asks for what, Reese just says, It tall, bouncy. <laughs> and Malcolm says, He's right, we need it. <laughs> and they like all three, like get around it and start dragging it home like one foot at a time as they keep <laughs> counting down. All right, three, two, one, go. Making it like a foot yeah. and having to drop it. <laughs>
1: yeah, it is. Uh, It is very much so that like Deterministic, like young young man thing of like this is the dumbest thing we've done, but it's also gonna be the greatest thing. It it gives you strength that you didn't know you had before. I remember those days, one hundred percent. This would have gone down exactly like this. Have oh. we ever stumbled
0: across a high dive randomly in like an alley?
1: <laughs> a thousand percent, it would have.
0: <laughs> it would have been coming home with absolutely no plan in mind. What's to do with it? But it had to come home.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you don't need a plan, Jake. The plan comes to you. The inspiration speaks to you. But they do manage to get it home.
0: As, uh, as they're doing that, uh, Dewey says, "You know, this is far enough. We have to stop here. I, I needs to empty the blood out of my shoes again." <laughs> then, uh, finally, getting at end position, Reese declares that this diving board is the answer. And Malcolm asks, "The answer to what?" And Reese says, "I don't know the question yet, but this is the answer." That's a very philosophical thought. <laughs> And they, like, start, uh, tearing branches, uh, off of the bushes that it's next to in order to hide it. Then, uh, we see the boys, uh, all, like, sitting and admiring the diving board, trying to come up with what they're going to do with it. And Dewey suggests that they tie mattresses to their body and jump off of it. But Reese says we could do that off of the roof. Malcolm says that they could launch mannequins off of it into their neighbor's jacuzzi. I really like that one. That that is pretty good. (laughs) But Reese says that's not good enough. Then Dewey says they could get a squirrel on it and make it dive off into a cup of water. (laughs) But that's also not good enough. Then Malcolm starts to say we could get a vat of jello, but Reese cuts him off saying not good enough. Then uh, he, like, turns to it and looks at it and says, okay, I've got it. We tie a dog to a bicycle. And then he, like, sighs disappointed and says, no, that's not good enough either. Thank God. <laughs> Reese, stop doing horrible things to animals.
1: Right? But, I mean, this is where we see the uh, existential crisis come in. Yes, th-
0: this is the start of
1: it. And then, uh,
0: that is where Lois comes home, talking about Jamie getting the lifetime ban from Jamboree, as she is, like, loudly declaring all of this, uh, like, sort of to the boys, but very clearly more to herself. Uh, and she, like, looks directly at them with the diving board, like, right behind them, but she's so caught up in her confrontation with Jamie that she doesn't even notice it. And she just walks inside must be a sign that we're supposed to keep it. That's right. Then we once again see the boys, like, now going crazy as they're trying to figure out what to do with this that's good enough for this high dive. And Dewey speculates that some other family probably had it, and they went crazy trying to figure out what to do with it until they turned on each other and ate each other.
1: (laughs) What a... man. (laughs) (laughs) I like that that's where he takes it to.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And Reese says that, you know, he knows they can come up with something. They're better than this. And he points out that when they found that uh, roadkill groundhog, they came up with like a hundred things to do with that. From the disturbing to the beautiful.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm betting it was all disturbing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Dewey just says, I miss Flatty. (laughs) (laughs) Aww. He named it. (laughs) And Reese says they need to start thinking outside the box. And he asks Dewey, What would you want someone to do with you if you were a diving board? And Dewey immediately says, I'd want to go ice skating. (laughs) And Reese says, That's stupid. That place is freezing and it's always packed. And Dewey says, Yeah, but they have good hot dogs. (laughs) And (laughs) Reese says, Their hot dogs are terrible compared to the hot dogs at the train station. (laughs) But Dewey's ass, why would a diving board go to the train station?
1: Why would it go ice skating, Dewey? Come on. Come on. Amateur questions.
0: (laughs) And Malcolm reigns them back in saying, okay, back in the box.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I do love that line. I feel like there's times at work where I have to do that. That's enough out of the box thinking for you people. Maybe the box was built for a reason.
0: Then uh, after the attempted murder of Lois, uh, we see Reese taking Jamie outside and declaring Jamie as the one and saying he'll be the one to show them what to do with the diving board.
1: (laughs) And he's holding Jamie like Rafiki style up to the diving board. Yes. It's so great. Then we uh, come
0: back to Reese kicking the diving board, saying, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, (laughs) and Malcolm and Dewey, uh, like, walk up behind him, holding, uh, like, construction equipment. Dewey has a uh, saw and a hammer, and uh, Malcolm has a crowbar and a wrench, and they tell Reese it's time to give up, That they are never going to come up with something good enough for this diving board. They need to tear it down so things can go back to normal. And Malcolm points out that the Newmans have had a statue of a naked man in their lawn for a week. And they haven't done anything about it. They should be ashamed of themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Malcolm.
1: But he's also (laughs) kind of right. (laughs)
0: for <laughs> shame. Reese says that, uh, that they can't do that because this diving board is his last chance. And when they ask what he means, he says that uh, he's afraid that this is going to be the last time he can do something so stupid and reckless and fun. He doesn't know if it's because he's getting close to 18, but he's started to hear a voice in his head telling him when things are stupid and dangerous, and the old voice telling him, it's fun, do it anyways. They'll find a way to save you. (laughs) Is getting quieter and quieter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, dude, I... Love that line and description so much. <laughs> it, it's so perfect.
0: <laughs> and
1: he explains that he wants to give
0: that uh, quieter voice a proper send off with one last big thing. And Malcolm and Dewey, upon hearing this, like turn to each other and turn back to him and agree to help. With <laughs> Dewey
1: saying, uh, I do it for my voice. <laughs> Uh, I'm not comfortable with how many voices they hear. This family needs medical attention. I mean, you're not wrong. (laughs) On so many levels. (laughs) So many.
0: (laughs) Then uh, Malcolm and Dewey lead Reese outside as they have come up with their plan, their thing that's good enough for this diving pool. And they've put it all together for Reese. And they give him a vest, which has, uh, some Roman candles on it. Which, Dewey explains, uh, they've souped up.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and they've given him a 20-second fuse, and he's going to, uh, jump off the diving board. And they should go off right about there. And Malcolm, like, points up, like, in the arc of where he'll be. And he says, uh, they won't give any more momentum. But they will ignite that, and they show him the helmet they have for him, which is covered in firecrackers. (laughs) And they tell him that he's going to land in the kiddie pool that they have put on the roof, and uh, they they figure there is a 50-50 chance it puts him out uh, if the (laughs) roof doesn't collapse. Or ignite! (laughs) And the, like, final, uh, stuff, which is where my opening line comes from, is Malcolm, like, points over to a camera they have set up with some, like, wires, like, uh, going into their room. And he says that that camera is connected directly to the internet. And the stunt is going to be featured on the homepage of giantjackass.com. Such a fitting website. <laughs> and... Uh, Reese, like, very excited, like, like, straps the vest on and puts the helmet on. And he lights the fuse. And he takes the first step onto the first rung of the diving board. And it immediately snaps. And he falls forward, uh, causing the entire diving board to collapse around him and on him. And it just, like, completely crushes him under rubble. And then... The firecrackers start to go off <laughs> as they start shooting out of this pile of rubble, uh, accompanied, of course, with the sounds of explosions and Reese, like, screaming out in pain, trapped under all this rubble. <laughs> and watching this dewy asks, should I get the hose? And Malcolm says, no, he would have wanted us to wait. <laughs> and he just adjusts the camera and continues filming. <laughs> <laughs> and that wraps this episode up. So let's go to our awards. Yeah. 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 Awards. awards. And as usual, we will start with our roller skating keen award, our award for the best
1: visual moment. What did you have for this one, David? This one, (laughs) I had to go with the uh, Rafiki style holding up of Jamie to the diving board because I love this scene. I love the moon in the background. It's just so well done and it's such a Reese moment. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, I also
0: gave it to a Reese moment, but I gave it to the prank gone horribly
1: wrong as i figured you would have which is why it was my
0: backup (laughs) just watching it just like like piece by piece this entire diving board like falling apart and just falling on him and then just the sight of the uh what like uh roman candles going off shooting out of the pile of rubble is so funny it was great and uh, I did uh, with my initial view and I did time it and the the fuse time is accurate it is 20 seconds from re-sliding it to them starting to go off
1: (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) I the gag was good enough I didn't even care fair
0: (laughs) then <laughs> moving on to our next award, what did you
1: give your Hot Dog with Mustard Award? Your award for the best line. It, I had to give it to Hal. It's such a relatable line for, I don't know, any parent, but especially the Wilkerson's. Face it, Lois, it's the hand we were dealt. God just doesn't like us. <laughs> uh, this line talking about, about Jamie and the boys is just so funny and so well-delivered. Uh,
0: fair enough. That was also my first choice. But since you took that, I will go with my backup, which is you see this, this is the answer. The answer <laughs> to what? I don't know what the question is, but this is the answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a great line. <laughs> And moving on to our next award, which of these plot lines did you give the A plot of your heart?
1: Uh I, I had to give it to the I love the Lois versus Jamie plot line, so I ended up giving it to that. Although even though like most of my favorite moments didn't come from that, like overall as a singular plot line, I think that it was superior.
0: Yeah, that that's fair. There's a lot more going on as far as like character growth and, and like stuff like that as well in that Yeah, line.
1: and like it does have very good highs. It's not like it's not like it's it's a low point or anything. It just yeah, like both
0: plot lines I, are really good in this episode.
1: Yes, I think the other one had higher highs, but I do think that this one definitely has more going for it. So uh, that, that that is fair, but. I ended up going
0: with the other plot line as the A plot of my heart.
1: That's fair. I can I can see it. I I can understand that like I can't be mad at that decision.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean it's just like I, I I love when Malcolm in the Middle gets into like just the stupidity of childhood.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure we told the story on here a couple times about, you know, trying to get my brother to jump off the roof into a pile of leaves that you would put cinder blocks into because we were like, this is going to be funny. I still to this day don't know why we thought it was going to be funny, but. I mean, I stand by it. It's a good prank. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's, you know, that's kids for you, especially boys. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, I remember my, my brother. And uh, his his friends doing uh, jousting using On the like bikes fence with posts. the swords. Yes. Ah, uh, uh. yeah. <laughs>
1: oh man, yeah, it's yeah, yeah.
0: Stupid shit like that
1: just constantly, <laughs> constantly. Indeed, it's just so funny. Yeah, <laughs> the fact that we survived our childhood is yeah. The fact
0: my brother <laughs> Willie survived childhood is especially miraculous. <laughs> yeah 100 percent accurate <laughs> he used to try to do the thing from action movies where they like hold <laughs> on to the back of a car
1: yeah
0: and like stand and just like drag their feet yeah <laughs> <laughs> because
1: he was convinced he could learn how to do it yeah i remember that <laughs> <laughs> he used to try to run across walls sometimes he'd be successful and i'm talking like trailer walls so like he'd also a lot of times put his foot through the wall (laughs) oh yeah yeah i still remember the one time he went watch this and just smashed a cinder block over his head for literally no reason
0: (laughs) (laughs) to prove he could smash a cinder block (laughs) over his head He also used to, when he was riding with my sisters in their cars, like, specifically just to fuck with them, as they were driving, going, like, 30, 40 miles an hour, just open the passenger door and throw himself out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> To be fair, he got pretty good at doing the roll, so it didn't significantly hurt him. <laughs> but, <laughs>
1: God. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. So yeah, that's why I chose the uh, diving board plot line. Yeah, no, makes sense. <laughs> now uh, moving on to our next award. Who did you choose as your favorite character this episode?
1: Man, this one was so hard for me. I ended up giving it to Reese. Okay. Just cause I love the freak out and I love the the final little like part with the pile where it's blowing up on him. This is so funny. <laughs> Uh, fair
0: enough, fair enough. I actually ended up choosing Lois as my favorite character for this episode. I was, she was one of my options. Yeah, well, while I like the other plot line more, I I do think, like, as far as, like, a exploration of character, this episode's definitely, like, Lois is, like, the, the clear standout.
1: Yeah, oh, 100%. And who did you give your Cloris Leachman Award your award for the best acting? Uh, I gave it to Jane Kaczmarek because I think she did phenomenal. And I like watching, you know, both old Lois and, and current Lois and the, the sort of differences in those roles because they are very different but similar people. And I like being able to see that and kind of explore that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I also chose her. To... Yeah, this is essentially the Lois origin story episode. Yep. And she just does so well with like, showing that like moment of transition into the Lois that we know especially (laughs) is just so well done.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And it's so funny because it's the Lois origin story, but it's also kind of the Lois Francis origin story, which I appreciate a lot. Yeah, for sure.
0: And uh, who did you give your Mrs. Dabney Award your award for the
1: worst parent? I also gave this to Lois. Interesting. (laughs) Look, I love Lois. This is a great, great Lois episode, but Lois is a bad parent, man. <laughs> on either on either spectrum, she's just so far the extremes of everything. Like, because I love her. Her like pre transformation is like this sort of over exaggerated, like pre gentle parenting concept. Gentle parenting of like just giving into anything and anything could damage him. And uh, we have to be so conscientious of what we're doing, and da 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 da. And I'm gonna let this child walk all over me. And then, like, her transformation and her stopping being a pushover just transitions her into full like anti hero mode. <laughs> Where I'm gonna save you from yourself, whether you like it or not. It's it's hilarious. I love it, but it uh does not a good parent make.
0: <laughs> that is fair, but I actually didn't choose her for this award. I chose Hal. Okay. For his reaction to Lois, like wanting him to like take off like the bulk of the parenting and just like his complete refusal. <laughs> and horror at the idea of, like, having to parent the boys alone. And the, uh, just, like, breakdown of duties makes it very clear that, uh, Lois is doing pretty much all of the parenting.
1: Listen, he's a dad. I get it. We're dumb. I get it. <laughs> I'm not saying I have the same split. I'm saying I could see it. I've known some guys.
0: I mean, fair,
1: but <laughs> doesn't
0: make it any better. <laughs> But uh, moving on to our next award. What did you give your OK Boomer Award? Your award for the moment or detail that
1: sets the episode firmly within its time of release. I had to give it to the camcorder internet setup. That Malcolm had going, the complications that you can see, like they've got the little laptop, and the laptop especially is like that bulky brick style still, and there's like eight cords running from the camera to the laptop to inside the house. Yeah. And now you know I can go live to hundreds of thousands of people on a phone that's in my pocket. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. I (laughs) I figured that would be your okay boomer (laughs) award. Yeah. But, uh, I gave mine to the, uh, flashback 80s parents stuff. Because I do just so heavily, like, as someone, you know, the approximate age of the boys, I just do, like, associate, like, all of that 80s stuff so heavily with parents. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's fair. <laughs> like, uh,
0: just, like, one, like, both of their, like, fashion sensibilities in the flashbacks. And then also... <laughs> Hal's Laserdisc.
1: Yeah, it was the most 80s fucking thing ever. Yeah, yeah, you're
0: not wrong. And that just leaves. Shittiest and the least shitty kid. Which, uh, this, this does raise the question. Do we include Jamie this time?
1: Uh, I did not, because you have always, like sort of waffled and been a jerk about it.
0: But generally, like, there's not enough with Jamie, like, to judge, but he does attempt murder in this episode.
1: Allegedly. (laughs) We don't actually see him do it. Yeah, but he did it. Allegedly. (laughs) All the proof is circumstantial. (laughs) My client is innocent, Your Honor. This was (laughs) premeditated. It was not. A carefully laid out plan. In fact, your honor, many, many studies would suggest that my client is literally incapable of premeditating this, as his prefrontal cortex has not properly developed at this point. Nah. That's science.
0: Yes, but science is a bitch sometimes. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) To quote one of our greatest minds. (laughs) Mac, from Always Sunny. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I, I also uh, did not consider Jamie for this one, but I did say that, that I would, you know, potentially be open to including Jamie.
1: That is true, you did say
0: that. This is definitely the, the sort of episode where it would be more appropriate than usual <laughs> to include him. But, uh, fortunately it was sort of a non-issue because I I, I wouldn't have chosen him for either of these awards.
1: I also did not.
0: Well, who did you choose as your least shitty kid then, David?
1: Uh, Francis. As did I. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) His re-traumatization of himself in order to assist his parents was a selfless act, and he's starting to come back to the advanced Francis that we know and love that isn't poisoning his brothers.
0: That was like three episodes ago at this point, David. Who can remember that far back? It's nice to see... The real Francis back. That's all I'm saying. Fair enough. Yeah, that's, that's all the same reasons I chose Francis, and the only shitty things we see him doing in this episode are as like a a small baby who doesn't know better.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And who did you choose as shittiest kid? I gave it to Reese. All right, we're we are in agreement this episode David I also chose Reese's shittiest kid
1: okay what really sealed the deal for me like there's other shitty things that he does and you know obviously I was giving him shitty points but not full shitty points for like the mentioning of what he was gonna do to animals Uh but uh, but the giving the energy drink to the baby you're a monster yes that that is also (laughs) what sealed him (laughs) as
0: my shittiest kid because I, I think the application they're going for is like all the shitty stuff jamie was doing in this episode was because reese has been filling him full of these energy drinks yeah causing him to misbehave so like even jamie's you know almost killing lois is actually on reese not jamie
1: <laughs> yeah yeah 100 like yep. uh
0: yeah <laughs> okay
1: well uh w-
0: w- with uh all of that agreeability aside that uh closes up our awards, but we have a couple of segments left, beginning with the Cranston Connection, which is where we draw connections between various characters played by Brian Cranston, as we have determined that in some form or fashion they are all one character. And in this episode, we see some more of the skills that will eventually be used once, uh, he becomes the character known as Dr. Templeton, the psychiatrist in Curb Your Enthusiasm. This is sort of the middle step as, uh, in a earlier episode, we saw him, like, gaining the- his interest in psychology, and here we see him starting to use some of that psychology as he's attempting to help Lois, uh, find, you-, you know know, this- this spark for this thing that she used to have passion for, and he's doing it by, uh, bringing Francis in and, you know, clearly guiding him through, uh, retrieving the- these, you know, buried deep memories uh so uh you know clearly he's been working on these skills in the uh time between these episodes and this is the first time we see him applying those skills after gaining his interest in psychology okay
1: all right Uh, eventually he'll be you know for a short time a practicing psychologist okay you know that tracks it's one of many many things that you know he just becomes really good at That's true, and uh, I have a feeling we'll
0: be seeing more of this plotline, David. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Assuming I'm on whatever Cranston connection the
1: thing I'm remembering episode is from. That was very vague, and I appreciate it. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) And that just leaves
0: David's guessing game, Uh, which you did uh, pretty well on this one. Yeah, As You, uh, were, were correct that, uh, Jamie would, like, start acting out and misbehaving, uh, and you even said that you thought that there would be a callback to, uh, the, the like, previous episode with, with the flashback, uh, to, like, Francis destroying the apartment, uh, which obviously happens much more directly than you were predicting. It's not a, a callback to it or, like, a reference to it. We straight up, like, get multiple flashbacks back to that
1: right yeah
0: and you you were also correct that lois would be like struggling to deal with a baby again although you thought that like the thing that that would like be causing her to like struggle with that is that she would be trying to like use like mind games and, and sort of the methods she's been using on the older boys on jamie which you didn't really see too much of fair uh so with that i gave you a 94 percent yeah and what do you think happens next week in Malcolm's
1: car? I think that we're going to see Malcolm getting obsessed with getting a car. I think he's getting to that age where it's like, oh, I have to have a car. All the cool kids have cars. And we'll probably see a lot of Malcolm like lying or cheating or, or just, you know, scheming in order to get a car. Because obviously we know the Wilkersons are still broke. It's not like he's... You know, going to get a car bought for him by Hal and Lois, but he's going to come up with some sort of way to get a car, I think. And we're going to see him like sort of really dive into that and in the process maybe become like one of those like really car obsessed dudes, you know, and I I don't know if he's going to get the car or not. But I know that he's going to be obsessed with the car and and obtaining this object. And, and, you know, I could see him, like I said, like scheming to get some sort of uh, like first time, you know, rough riding car, but he's all obsessed with it and he's going to do this and that and he's going to upgrade it like this and he's going to then he's going to get and work and save and get this thing because... That's what most young guys do at that age because they want a car and they want a nice car because they think it's going to help them get chicks.
0: No, that doesn't sound.
1: Just because you didn't have that experience, most other red-blooded American males are convinced at some point in their life, even if it's just for a couple months, that, man, if I had a car, chicks would dig me. And then you grow up and you realize that Everything about that sentence is awful.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I just don't think that adds up. I don't, I don't think teenage boys are into cars.
1: Yeah, listen, Jake, just because you wanted to beat feet everywhere doesn't mean <laughs> that everyone's
0: that way. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps this episode up. Thank you for listening. As always, thanks and credit to Jacob Newfeld who does our intro and outro music. If you would like to hear more of his music, you can find the links to do so in our episode descriptions. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us uh, by email, where we are life is unfairpod at gmail.com or on
1: Twitter, where we are unfair underscore podcast. And if you enjoy the banter back and forth here and want to catch more of us live, head on over to twitch.tv slash LP where we play video games, chat with people and in general, have a good time. And remember, life is unfair.